Hello and welcome back to The Double Life. I'm John Buzdar. This week, I want to do things a little bit differently. I want to kind of give you an idea of why I'm interviewing the people that I'm interviewing and we're talking about the things that we're talking about. Also, maybe kind of give you a little bit more personal idea of who I am. So this week, I decided to stay in Portland, Oregon, because it's been in the news. It's continued to be in the news. I think for the first time today, which is July 29th, a Wednesday, when I'm recording this, this is when you're reading articles saying that federal agents in Portland are leaving, right? But before that, all we were hearing and seeing was just, well, it depends, I guess, what outlet you're looking at. But more collectively, from a general standpoint, you're seeing relatively negative you know, news and views coming from Portland, Oregon. And whether it's negative in the sense that unmarked vans are grabbing people, uh, federal agents, you know, and then from other people's standpoint, they could say graffiti and different things like that are negative. But more importantly, it is extremely uh, under the microscope right now. It's being viewed. It's being talked about. So why leave when it's becoming even more important, right? So I'm not leaving Portland. We're staying in Portland. We interviewed Sean Kasoy last week. This week, we bring my old friend Zach McKinley back to the show. He was on episode three of the show. I met Zach back a while ago, but the cool story is how Zach and Sean met, which is the first interview that I did with them. We kind of did a lot more backstory, and that was actually before I interviewed Sean. So I actually met Sean for the first time when I was doing a double interview with both of them, Zach and Sean, and talking about them as a group or a creative team. But in the weeks that followed after that interview, you know, when we talked, Portland wasn't anywhere on the map as far as being discussed in the news or anything like that. And now it's in the news very much. And the change was pretty drastic to a point where I felt like I couldn't just release an episode and talk about them as a team and the backstory and which is really cool, but it doesn't pertain to necessarily what's happening right now. And I think as much as we can hop on the news or on Twitter and find information about what's happening in Portland, I think it may be better to speak to the people that are there speak to Sean and Zach about their experiences. Now, keep in mind, they are not the whole picture of Portland. And that's what I really want to stress also in this beginning part is that this is one perspective, one point of view, right? Um, from two people that are seeing it through their eyes, right? So that's different than what could be happening for other people in Portland. And that's the important thing, I guess, about all of my episodes is that even if it's a person talking about a certain profession or an art form or a place, like in this situation, it doesn't necessarily give you the full 
perspective of every single person there. It simply gives you the perspective of the people that are talking, that are sharing their story and telling you about the experience. So this is the perspective of Zach McKinley and Sean Kasoy and how they feel about what's happening in Portland, Oregon. part about you know obviously media portrays stuff the way they want to portray stuff to get you know views and things like that and eyes on their on their uh, stuff but mm-hmm. um you know for the most part it's like even what well, even before the the feds started coming in stuff like yeah. it was peaceful like yeah. there was not like sure we had like that looting and every stuff in the beginning but like from that point like things have been like peaceful and it's it hits that certain time or they made that you know law or whatever, and it's like it turns from peaceful to injustice, yeah. and that's when things start getting popping off. And yeah, you know, once the tear gas goes, that's when everyone starts being pissed off because they weren't doing anything different than they were doing 30 minutes before the tear gas. Right, mm-hmm. and it's like they just like flip a switch and decide to enforce and like just like attack. And know, that's where it's not right. Yeah, and that's where I think when people start getting you know throwing the tear gas back and. You know, it's all in defense, and it's one of those weird things, uh, just in, in my, my opinion, is like, you know, when these feds got here, they're act, like they're not riot trained. They're not like crowd trained. Those are like military dudes that are designed, and they are taught to just obey orders. So, like, they don't know what to do. All they know how to do is to manhandle someone and get them out of the way. And to do that to the, like, the people that they're doing it to, it's just not right. Um, and not on that also, John, like the fence that they installed was, it was astonishing, yo. Like there's normal chain link fences that you would get from like wherever, or that they may install like around like a construction site or whatever. Right. But this one, the grade of the steel and the rebar that they installed around it was like, if you had to move it, it would take like so much leverage to like popping it or like moving it it's just ridiculous it's just like overbuilt you know does that make sense and sure. like, like what uh, what fence are you talking about um there's a fence that they put up around part of the justice center in justice center yeah in justice <laughs> center <laughs> okay yeah and <laughs> and they tried it before and they had like a normal chain link fence like what sean was talking about and that just got like destroyed pretty much and then it got taken down it's- and now it's a freaking like barricade fence almost wow. but i almost feel like this is what ultimately starts the confrontation you know it's like the protesters are like why are we paying money for you to keep this fence here you know and they're shaking it and pushing it around and then that's when they're starting to like this is becoming an unlawful uh, you know it's becoming a, a riot event you yeah. know and then that's when they're still shooting like tear gas and stuff i'm not there firsthand to experience it this is just like my assumption but that's what led me to believe why they, you know, it's like their next step. They were like, okay, you think you could take, you could take this one down, but now you're going to try to really take this one down. It's like, they're like fueling the fire of that sort of like fight, you know? Yeah. Let's it's talk like, about um, what have you guys seen as far as like, I don't know when, um, 
has like any of that come into the areas where you guys have been doing art have like either you know federal agents or like fences or anything been like set up or installed in the last like couple of weeks or anything not in the sense of where we have we been doing the artwork and everything because we we would stay more towards pioneer which is um originally the mall that got looted the first night of these of these type of um protests and everything like that that got looted um and there's been a lot of different stuff going around that area that whole area within itself though like pioneer and like um off yam hill which is just one of the streets it's become a major hub um for artists to be to express as much as they can of what's going on and um you know you get people down there on the daily now making it kind of this you know if they don't feel comfortable going to the protests at night they go down during the day and they walk around and they you know they look at the artwork and they see what the city's you know the flowers that are, are becoming that are growing out of you know this chaos yeah it like creates communication you know like people strangers no matter what you know feel like obligated to just like speak you know mm. that's what say too it's like that's why that spot's become sort of like sacred ground in that regard yeah Um, and it's really um odd like honorable you know like leave the art up there and then whenever someone you do see someone there or they you know do take a photo of whatever it is online and repost of the art and it's just like whoa thinking about that and knowing that now we have that like stand here sort of incredible yeah but as far as like what you're saying like you know getting getting hassled more or like at all by like you know the feds or different cops that that's still kind of not so much in that area i think they've kind of realized what we're doing in that area and and have kind of backed off um a lot but there is a lot of i mean you i mean i'm sure you've read all the news stuff whatever where like they're saying the main reason why a lot of these feds are attacking people is for graffiti and, you know, and that's a lot about like just actual graffiti going around in the justice center and things like that. And mm-hmm. like tagging and like, and that's like just, yeah, traditional tagging. Like people are just pissed off with spray cans and they're, they're putting some positivity uh, onto the injustice center, whether it be an ACAB or a, you know, um, you know, tear gas Teddy. Uh, it doesn't really, it's speaking for the movement and uh, for the cops to have, you know, such a, I don't know, a, just like a, we're, we need to arrest these people and we need to hurt them uh, in the process for graffiti is just, it's not right. It's unruly. Sure. Do you guys see, um, I don't know, I guess it's interesting to see that they're bringing in federal agents and enforcing, you know, violence and different things on people because of, what they're claiming is like graffiti or at least that's one of the reasons they may be doing it, you know? And it's interesting to see that you guys are in a sense doing graffiti too, even though it's like murals and it's art in the form, some would argue that's a form of graffiti, but like you're doing it and it's being, I don't know, it has a positive message in the art that you're doing. But then if you go to the other areas, it's being, I don't know, like deemed as something that they need to go and eradicate and stuff. What do you guys think about that as far as people, I don't know, seeing the art that you guys literally create firsthand as on one hand criminal and one hand like beautiful, you know? 
John, you've been saying it over and over and over again. You've just been saying graffiti and art, graffiti and art. And that's your, in my mind, that's the major vocabulary word to like what determines the difference between someone being a vandal and someone being an artist. And like that vandal could be an artist, but they're just tagging because they're angry and they could do something that is beautiful if they put their energy into it. This is just my thought. And it's like the reason, you know, when we do that graffiti quote unquote is because we're mature in a certain regard. That's how I vision it. It's like, if I were to be more emotional and I definitely have gotten emotional out there. Um, I think that's why there's more respect to that art because those writers, there's that unspoken word that like, they know we're out here for the same cause, you know, but it's like a matter of like kind of what we, I mean, we have been seeing with like, how to stay active, like where like people want to go downtown, but then they can't get downtown. So they're trying to figure out different ways to stay active. So the way that I vision it is like, for me is like my activism was that mural. And if someone that night is going to tag, it's really the same. Like you said, we're in the same boat, but it's just like, we're just at different approaching things differently, you know? Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I guess what I would ask is also like, I don't know. Do you guys have any friends that are in the like art community that are going and doing what they would consider like, I don't know, criminal graffiti or whatever, just like quick emotional things. And are they being punished for that? And are you like talking to them and being like getting their emotions uh, I, on what's happening? I personally do know some, some graffiti artists and people that have just been in the street yeah. Um, art realm up here that have been going down there and doing that. Yeah. Um, luckily, none of them have been uh, detained or anything. Um, you know, but it's kind of one of those things, right? Like, you go down to the Injustice Center right now, and you see all the graffiti around this federal building, and it's it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like, as much as it is just like a 3.5 second hand movement of an ACAB or um, like, you know, fuck the feds or whatever, like, now it's piling up so much and has become this collage collage of mm. this movement within itself. And, you know, that's another perspective of someone else being like, no, that is vandalism right. and versus like, no, that's like yeah, the people showing you like what needs to occur and like what the beauty that can come behind it. It's almost, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other yeah. times where, you know, graffiti has occurred on certain, certain things and it was always um, ugly, ugly, and ugly until this turning point in history where now the pieces of those, you know, areas are now in museums. Um, so it's, it is beautiful within itself, but it's all, all in the context of who is, who is saying what. Sure. I think when you say uh, something that was, you know, deemed as terrible and then taken down and now it's art in museums or whatever, I was you know, like the Berlin Wall, man, like that is an example of something that had a historical impact. That was a wall that was dividing people and that was just covered in graffiti and art and people speaking out and expressing their emotions about what was happening, you know, and that's like obviously in a whole different part of the world and during a different time. But I think, I don't know, when you said that it resonated in that way for me. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's kind of where, you know, um, and there's a lot of different, you know, there's, you that type of, you know, Berlin Wall and things like that. Like, that's hap- happened across the world and in all different points of history. Um, you know, but yeah, I think that has that major kind of 
well, what I was saying and everything. So like graffiti just basically means like art on a wall, but vandalism would be because it's on like, I just did a quick Google because I was, you know, kind of curious to like fact check myself a little bit, mm-hmm. but vandalism is more like defacement of that property. Right. So that's what they're utilizing as their loophole. They're saying, cause you're defacing federal property, it's vandalism, mm-hmm. but graffiti is that, you know, it's like you could write on personal property and that's vandalism. But in this case, they're utilizing that loophole that it's federally considered an offense and that's why they're like utilizing where those monuments were as their loophole to bring those types of troops here. And it's crazy. You know, it's like crazy to even think that, like, you know, you're utilizing an art to like use as a tool to like almost hurt people in a certain regard. But like, yeah. So I can see how it's like this weird double edged sword. It's really a gray area to kind of like balance between, but in my mind, art on the wall. And like what Zach was saying is like that collaging of those tags is now beautiful in itself. It's like this gorgeous thing and it speaks for itself because it is so many voices. Sure. That's how I see it. Totally. I think that's super cool. I think with even, I don't know, graffiti art in general, like street art has become something that is more highly sought after you know people like banksy have made something that before was seen as you know rebellious or criminal or whatever and now it's art that can garner millions of dollars from snobby rich people you know and it's like that is such a turning point for a medium that once started as you know there's a writer that comes to my mind that's like to my mind like the most verbatim vandal and his name's kittle and Kittle, you know, like kid adult, but he would write kid old. Ooh. He's like responsible for doing these things with like fire hydrants against like massive corporate brands. Mm. And give him a Google and take a look at some of the things that he's gone. Like he hit Supreme real hard in New York as like hype beast stuff was like really growing. And like he just went up there with like a massive fire hydrant and just like sprayed the entire front of the facade of the, of the building, you know? And again, like you took a photo of it. It's phenomenally gorgeous and you're looking at it in person and it's like beautiful in art but then he's a vandal like what he did and how he did it you know it's like truly a, a defacement on the property and like huge lettering but it's like art and beautiful and it's just really incredible to like cross those lines or like guys like revoke you know is another one does like really crazy cool art where he has like beautiful tools he's created to make these art and then he'll go on the street and paint it there too you know, it's like he balances across it, but he has the support, which is incredible. Yeah. So, anyway, that's how I think about all that kind of shit. It's like really cool. Sure. Zach, do you have any like, um, I don't know, like as far as your input on graffiti as an art form? Yeah. I mean, my whole thing, especially when it comes to like what you're saying, right? Like Banksy is one that's like, got brought to the surface really big and made the street art and not so much even just graffiti, but street art in general into a new platform. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, that back and forth thing that I have, right? Like those types of installations and that type of pieces should always belong to the streets. Um, mm. And, you know, we've ran into altercations even here now with the boards where, you know, a company wanted to use the boards or something. And I kind of got, a little bit heated and Sean had to kind of back me off a little bit, but, um, 
you know, they wanted to go use it for something else. And you know, I kind of told them like, this isn't for you guys. This was for the streets and this movement that was going on. And uh, that's always going to be the case with graffiti, I feel like. But there are some amazing graffiti artists that um, have, have gone from being vandals to now being in huge galleries across the world. Um, you know, even um, Barry McGee, right? Like, he, like Twist was like, he just wrote, he used to tag and you, know, you look at him now and he's like all over the place in huge galleries, same with Revoke. Um, you know, so there's, it's a, always been a stepping ground into a new platform. And I think it's always a weird gray zone of whether you can call someone a vandal or an artist. Sure. Um, yeah. Exactly both. Um, and they really can't. Yeah. It just probably depends on the, that artist's mood and moment in time, to be honest, mm. you know, it's like however they're feeling, if they're like angry and frustrated and they just want to go right, they probably would. And I think a lot of it too is like the message, right? Like yeah. if someone writes something offensive, it's going to be looked at a different way than if someone writes something positive, it's going to look as an art form. Right. Uh, and there's, you know, it's, it's really funny like especially right now all these different like beautiful pieces of artwork that will just be like a cab but yeah. like beautiful fonts and like yeah which in, in in my eyes is that's art you know but to someone because it says a cab is now it's offensive so like there's that really really thin line that are people are playing with right now with like being political but also having um bringing a message of positivity or just design heavy um within that and i think that's like amazing right now to see just yeah. all these different artists like really someone who wasn't maybe too political in their artwork is right. now using that in that sense yeah you're seeing so much more like adaptation of something that would be considered an offensive thing that's that's incredible dude well put <laughs> yeah no that's super cool i think too is um i mean always the concept of something being positive or negative is sort of subjective right and then even now since things are so polarized and people have so many different opinions about things it's like you know something that 90 percent of the population can get behind is positive there still could be 10 percent of people that are like nah that shit's bad you know and it's like oh, totally. it's gnarly that you know and also I don't know. Has it been something where you guys, I know Zach, I've talked about kind of like the street art that you've done before. It's never really been political. And um, Sean, with like the work that you've done, it's never really been political either. So for you guys, has it been something where have you guys, I don't know, thought about doing that? Or has it been something where you're like, that's cool, but we're going to continue to do our work. And if people interpret it that way, that's rad, but we're not going to necessarily format it to be perceived that way yeah there's been so like there's been both spectrums of that like what you're kind of saying like me like when we first started painting murals i think you know sean and my or like sean brought up like doing something a little bit more political and uh, after the uh, mural that we did in front of the rei um once we were kind of moving into the downtown area um and we kind of just you know and then we like he's i left for a little bit and he was doing the hope um, mural down there and I came in and with the suite uh, and kind of combined the two and then I think after that is when we started to get just trying to stay positive uh, because all this other mural stuff and again this is just speaking for myself and, the, and what we're kind of doing but 
um, you know, people are putting up murals of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, you know, making this really beautiful um, kind of area within itself. And for us, we've always just wanted to bring just that like continuous smile as much as people are like mourning over these uh, and, and reflecting, uh, we want to have that positivity within itself um, in that realm. And I think that's why we've always stayed more in the sense of like color bringing a feeling, which Sean is like all about and like having a mood um, be attached to those colors. Even if maybe someone's not looking at that in depth, that's where his thought is going. Yeah. And then the words and how they flow uh, between the art piece within itself is like how I express myself of like the movement and what what needs to happen and um, the words being uh, in a positive light. So again, it's it's kind of you know. And then we have some people where I've gotten altercations where like your stuff has no meaning and it's like that's fine. Whatever you want to take out, you're that ten percent that's you know having an issue with this. But um, you know we've gotten smiles and and high fives and old elbows for COVID, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but like it it, it is what it is type of thing. And everyone can portray something differently out of the work, but as long as we know what, what we're doing and why we're doing it, then that's all that matters. And, and, but that's just, you know, that's how I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's pretty valid. You know, I like, like for me, like what Zach said pretty much nails it on the head like there was so much aspect of just like sort of the obvious you know sort of um communication by doing things like blm and like writing things like acab it um become was less my train of thought <laughs> but like you know we but to come down there with like the other hand is what i want to say it's like we don't need to step into that territory because it's like that wheel's already rolling. How can we be equally as, you know, radical and like punk and just do something that's like kill them with kindness, you know? And that's just where my vibe has always been with that. It's like the positive aspect of it. I don't need, I feel like I don't necessarily need to verbatim literally write something like ACAB because it's like the, the lettering and the words that Zach was doing is equally as strong to me and everyone else that was painting down there pretty much understood that too. And you know, that, like you said, you get the 10% where someone's confused, but that's to me just like naive and ignorance and maybe later they'll understand, you know? Yeah. If we can educate them on it, then yeah. All for it. Yeah, no, totally. Do you think that, um, I don't know with, the the work that you guys are making and I guess, the art that is being portrayed on the injustice center. Is it something that if they come in and sort of try to clean all that out, what is your view? Not necessarily on your art personally, but just like, you know, the whole area that you guys have been creating art and your whole city in general, that's, you know, filled with beautiful art right now. What is going to be, you know, the reaction to probably an inevitable, I guess, force coming in and trying to get rid of all that. I mean, for me, like my first thought is like, fuck the buff. Like, <laughs> like yeah. and I don't mean to be like direct, but like if whoever's going to go and like start cleaning up that shit, like 
third year. Third, yeah, I I don't back it. Um, and we're we're having a lot of discussions right now with different artists about how this artwork needs to be saved somehow. Um, I mean, because a lot of them are on the boards, right? Like, yeah, you just take those and save them. Boards. They can be used. And me and Sean actually just picked up the one that we did at REI, mm. and we're sitting on 15 panels of a mural. Um, trying to figure out what we want to do with it and also help other artists showcase this work. And, you know, what's been amazing and what we've kind of, what's kind of happened down there in downtown is there's a, become a bigger space for black artists uh, and things like that. And so I think me and Sean are really trying to help make sure that their work in general is noticed besides just this, what's going on right now and can be a part of the history of Portland and, I think Portland in itself always has been that creative outlook um, and being able to do that as much as possible. Uh, but it's just how are we going to, how is it going to get done and uh, what's the best way of, of doing it? Mm. Yeah. Lots of weird little moving parts, like the logistics of like, yeah, Zach said 50, it's 15 panels, but each panel is four foot by eight foot. It's 90 feet long. It's huge. It's yeah. incredibly, just like something that big shipping it around and moving it around, you know, it's like, that's going to start to happen everywhere. Like looking at the other murals around the mall that may come off there sooner rather than later, unfortunately, which is ridiculous. It's like each one of those is another eight to 10, you know, sheets of plywood. And it's like, those are four foot by eight foot. It's like literally enough lumber to like build an entire house. It's like, it's a lot of, lot of wood. Yeah. It's just like the material alone. And it's like, it should float around the city. It should not go away. It should just like be forever living. And just like, if that's what my, where I'm trying to advocate for with the one that we've got right now, but like just thinking potentially with like other ones that are still out that may come back to us. It's like, can we figure out to ship it, to be donated? Do we, you know, there's lots of stuff. So yeah. there's like what Sean was saying, just to add on, it's like, there's so many murals popping up on the daily downtown, like on the daily where even some areas where we haven't even explored, like walk down, you see on social media or whatever, that all these different types. So it is a lot of space and it is a lot of moving parts. Um, well, I mean, the injustice center got hit last night. Like I yeah. was, I was there last night and saw everything and then I was up this morning and rode and I like I'm only I only live about 10 minutes away from there so I made it a point on my ride just to like see what's up and literally probably about a a block before where Zach and I did like if my heart stops turning will the world do the same that whole two blocks before was like completely brand new wood and now all of it's been bombed all of it even that black wall bombed Hmm. yeah literally in less than 24 hours yeah no, that's cool though. I mean, I think that's showing, man, I don't know. I think my biggest question for you guys would be, so sort of hypothetical, if there was to be something that magically appeared and it's sort of like a museum that sort of, I guess, portrays and carries like social justice artwork throughout history, you know, and then obviously we're going to have a ton from right now and we have some from like just the sixties and different moments that we had art and, you know, instead of destroying it, which I think may happen, which is unfortunate, but instead of destroying it and, you know, putting it in a museum would be super cool. But do you guys as artists and as people who want it to be on the street, like you said, would you almost like 
I don't know, prefer to be destroyed rather than be in a museum? And do you think that the true place that it belongs is in the street because that's where it's created and that's where it's meant to be? Like, I don't know, does it feel weird taking that art and putting it in a museum? Does that feel like almost a disservice or making it disingenuine in a way? Um, so this, I'm going to go simply off of how, like, personally how I feel about it. Um, I think for the pieces that we've done and everything, if those get overlooked into museums and more BIPOC and people of colors um, murals start entering those spaces instead and uh, allowing that to be preserved, uh, I think that should be a, a more aggressive move um, versus someone like me and Sean. Yeah. Uh, but if there is space for all, then sure, I think being a part of that and having them preserved uh, in that way, um, I'm all for it. It's, it's when a company would use it for a, a different purpose of marketing or anything like that. But if it's for the preservation of the artwork to be seen later on in time, I'm all for it. Got it. What about um, people coming and, I don't know, like taking like videos or taking pictures and making t-shirts and marketing campaigns and sort of using this as a means of, I don't know, making money or whatever. Do you think that is something that may happen out of the artwork and sort of the scene that's being created over there? Like right now it's being... Exploited? Yeah. Like, well... It, is it being exploited right now? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't think it really is right now. No, not at all. But I do see what you mean about like, are people going to start to utilize imagery that's down there to, to making money from it? You can't really do much about that as an artist, as long as it's not like I would get upset if it was like H&M, you know, or like Uniqlo where they're like utilizing my art to sell their product. But if it was like, I don't know, like Simple Traveler is a small brand and they took a photo from down there and they're going to work with that. Then I'm, I'm sort of all about that because like we went down there to paint for activism. And if this is them like, you know, bootstrapping them to like being able to screen print, like, I'm, like I don't know, what if they're a person of color too? You know, it's like, fuck yeah, please, by all means necessary, like use it, you know, like that's the whole point. Hmm. But don't exploit if it's like, you know, bigger corpse just right. using it as a marketing and then like even right now like again like portland has such a beautiful like music scene yeah that we've been down there and like people have been like shooting like music videos or little snippets with all the graffiti and stuff and like, like yeah i'm all for that you know what i mean like that's that i'm like they want to you know use that in that sense and like you know that's that's fine with me and, <laughs> and especially again given the times like I'm all, I'm again, all for it a hundred percent. But as soon as it hits that corporate level where they're using it just to exploit a system and not giving back, um, for the cause of why the, those types of murals are going up, that's when things get unethical and, uh, yet actions need to be made uh, yeah. otherwise. Sure. What do you guys see as far as the most beneficial resources that like a community can provide to artists? What do you think would be you know, not only in Portland, but all over, you know, for groups of artists that are doing street art and, you know, communities that are making really cool stuff like that. What do you think would be the best resource that like, you know, whether it's a government or some sort of community, 
How can they help out? Um, I think it's just a matter of like that general root in education is like the biggest issue. You know, it just goes back to that aspect. Like if someone can't afford to go to like a private school or charter school and they have to take public education and be a part of that system, then they should have state of the art availability and have accessibility to literally any sort of tool to help them enable that aspect of creativity from a public setting, you know, and then once you get out of that aspect, you should have a general sense to like be responsible enough to how to, to work. And that's the root problem is like, you know, going back and changing it. I have a friend who surprisingly enough is a principal and I put on the internet that I want to like share my skill set because it's a skill set, you know, it's like, you just have to practice like in high school, you know, like studying the art classes and just being into that or like whatever, I didn't have that when I was in high school, but like maybe if I had something that attracted me more towards it in a certain sense, maybe I would have been involved. But I think that's what the biggest issue is when you lack the resources and don't give the funding to like enable it. Like my college was for profit and it was expensive, but on the con on the contrary, I had state of the art facilities and accessibility to everything. You know, that's why I paid to go do what I do. And it's like, that's a problem, right? I had to pay so much money to get that education. Hmm. But if we live somewhere else, that, that will fix it. So that's my, my two cents. Going back to the problem, giving people all that stuff. You know, Apple has enough. They do, they do do a lot of good. But I think now things are really going to change. Yeah, I would, I 100% agree with Sean. Like, if the cities and the states and, you know, the government wants to do something, I think it, it has to be from, you know, where we can start and where we can nurture the most, and that's going to be the education um, mm. and allowing that to be. And, like, especially what Sean was saying, like, giving them, like, you know, as much creativity and, like, resources to do so, but at that same time allowing the city to kind of be pretty influenced in that as well, like allowing space to maybe potentially be painted on for if, you know, a high school has in our class where you have, you know, people want to experience painting a mural um, or the school is having that kind of communal space for that type of um, and type for, of stuff. For what it's worth, when you think about a high school and you think now the new society we live in with like COVID and stuff, where people are have to interact less and more properties are like changing and closing. Mm -hmm. It's like even schools, man, like we're talking about schools, people can't even go back to them. So it's, yeah. it's like maybe the next step is where there was a building. You do have a mural in class, yeah. you know, or it's just a part of that program so that someone doesn't have to feel like scared or fearful that they could get in trouble when really it's not a troublesome thing. Yeah. You like, know? like, you know, Venice and there's a lot of areas around the, around the town, but like Venice has a good, really cool spot on the beach where it's like the public graffiti walls that like you can like, they have a system that you can kind of sign up and each mural or graffiti is there for a certain amount of time. And then someone else comes in and Portland has a couple of those spots too. I wish they were rotated out a little bit more. Um, but I think that within itself too, like allowing what Sean was saying, like allowing a space for people that can feel it like safe, safe. Yeah. And like just need not to feel scared safe. to be painting a wall and like really express what they can on a larger scale to see how they like it. You know, you know, there could be 
50%, they're like, no, this isn't for me. I want to work on a computer doing design stuff. Mm-hmm. That's great. At least they had that experience and didn't have to like go out on the train yards or go out into the major sewer systems and try to just do it themselves and where be, try to not be caught. Not yeah. only that, where it's like it's kind of a scary environment where there could be someone dangerous. You know, it's like you're just creating safe spot spaces for people. It's yeah. Sure. And then also, I mean, just getting arrested, right? Like becoming a criminal and being put into a system and forever being viewed as something that could potentially hurt relationships and jobs and school and just all these things. And, you know, it ties back to also just the concept of it being. Yeah. No, I think what you said was really, really well said. And I think the whole concept of it being something that isn't necessarily accessible to everyone. And I think on, you know, like reallocating resources and money to our school system to have better art programs and stuff, you know? So it's like something that someone like you, for example, Sean, like didn't have to go and spend a ton of money in college to, you know, like by that point you already kind of knew you loved art and you sort of like had that idea, but think of like, I don't know, maybe growing up and never being introduced to art at all or never seeing art as something that's like acceptable or normal, you know? And then, what? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, like what Sean just said, like a job. You it's know a mean? job. Like, to the fact that, you know, I think a lot of people, especially going through school, or whatever, it's like, oh, I like art. You know, I want to just like paint and express this while I'm in school, blah, blah, blah. But like, there's that making it a job and actually seeing it as what it can be, mm. I think it's something that we need to like push a lot more. Sure. Uh, and seeing that you can sustain, you know, you can have a good life being an artist if you really, really, you know, have that drive and that passion for it. You don't have to be an amazing artist. You know what I mean? You can be in the most simplistic or you can only work with color. You can only work with, um, you know, any type of medium you want. And it can be at the simplest form or it can be the most complex form. But there's there's a market for that and there is a job for that as well. I mean, you look at, you know, I doubt... When I was in school, like, I didn't know that, like, Nike hires people just to pick colors for shoes. Yeah. You know, like, that's insane. And if I heard that when I was in middle school or in high school, I would be blown away from that. Right. Uh, and now, but, like, and that's those resources I think that people need to be more aware of, uh, is that, like, you don't have to be this huge, you know, super detailed artist. You can still love the art and and find a passion for it and, and get paid to do so. Well, I mean... I mean yeah, like, you know, to Zach's point, it's true. Like, complexity is all up to you as an individual to, like, how steep the mountain you want to climb, right? Like, if you want to try to climb Everest, that's just going to be hard as fuck. But if you want, <laughs> but, if you, but if you only want to try to, like, move yourself up, uh, you know, a more gradual climb, like, that's going to be something that, you know, is equally as satisfying. But understand that you may not ever get to a certain point. And I think what happens is people have a perception of like a value when it comes to certain stuff. And yeah, it can be simple as fuck, but if you've like focused on yourself and know that the value is there behind it and you're confident, then people will pay, you know, because they believe in your work. And that's what I mean. Work is job. And it's like, you can make it career and that changes like name and title. But at the end of the day, all we're doing is our work. Hmm yeah totally no that's cool do you think that i don't know i I think he said something really cool there which was your 
have to get people to believe in your work. What I would wonder is someone listening right now and going, hey, man, I make cool stuff, you know, and like, how do I make people believe in my work? Accept all the no's. Yeah. <laughs> like you're going to get defeated, you know, 75, 80% of the time. At least, like personally for me. And again, like I'm still trying to find my place within this realm of art um, and like trying to make a make a living. And I think everyone is, but the hustle needs to be there. Um, regardless, and you need to, you know, hold your value to what you believe is necessary for you to survive. Um, you know, and, and that's a hard thing personally for me to, um, to always kind of find value in my stuff, but, um, I've gotten a lot better over the last couple months about it. Um, but it, you just, you know, you have to stick to it and you have to be able to walk away from certain jobs if they don't see that value because someone will. And as soon as that one person does, it's going to trickle and you're going to get more and more at that value and you're never going to turn back. Right. And like, that's, it's just like, that's where you have confidence, right? It's like, as soon as you're confident, it's the same thing as going to mural downtown on like a giant thing. It's like having that acceptance of like, it may not, it may. And if it does, that's incredible. Now I know, you know, I shouldn't doubt myself and you got to keep, keep with that aspect of uh, believing so that you do get that particular value and not getting um, what's the word desperate, I guess you could say, and like losing the project. And just like you said, just being confident and knowing and just sending it off and just like, if it's going to work, it's going to work. And it's like so cliche, but if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And uh, yeah, that's what I mean about believe. And, uh, yeah. Sure. I get that. I think, um, it was a really cool quote. I forget exactly what it is and I'm paraphrasing and may butcher it, but sort of along the lines of, you know, when you watch someone who truly is like fully in love and in like passionate about what they are doing, whether it's like playing a musical instrument or a sport or whatever, when you watch them and you watch them do it, you can tell that it's like, it's just genuinely more entertaining to watch them do something like that as opposed to someone who's just kind of doing it because they have to or whatever, you know, and it just feels more forced or mechanical and it doesn't feel as genuine and authentic. I think when you guys do your work, you can see that passion and that love for it. And I think it shows in the way that you guys do it. How do you guys, I don't know, what do you guys have any plans to, I don't know, kind of sort of, fall in line or like accomplish what you guys were talking about as far as reaching kids and having them have a different idea about art and growing up and having better ideas. Like instead of maybe the schools or the cities, do you think you guys can directly start making an impact before they start stepping in or anything? Yeah. I mean, I'm like uh, my, my buddy wants to work on making me uh, like licensed here to help, uh, in like a vocational school because my techniques are all automotive based. So it's, it is just like understanding how to repair a car. And uh, I was like really shocked that that's happening. But even when we're out muraling, you know, I'm always like teaching there. Cause I just have that part ingrained in me. So whenever little kids would be walking by, I'd always say, please try, you know, like I want to be that influence so that, you know, 10 years from now, if they're nine or 10, 
when they're 18 or 19 thinking about when they want to go to college, like they remember that moment, even though the times were bad that like I was with my mom and this guy like said it was so cool to paint. And my mom said it was cool. And there's your acceptance, right? Mm. That's her authority figure. Cause it's mom saying cool to paint. And then you got the support. Yeah. And it was like, well, trick trickle effect, you know? Right. Or, and I think it just goes back. Cause like, yeah, I've worked pretty damn hard, I think to do with the stuff that I've gotten to go do. And you touched on it with like paying for college, you know, when you, understand that responsibility is like why I think, and that only comes from like just being older. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's pretty dope watching someone get real excited when they're working. Sure. Totally. Yeah. I think like the grass kind of the grassroots of what Sean was saying with the murals when we're outside, that's been like amazing just to see in general. Like we've had so many kids walking with their parents or whatever and, and coming up and then, you know, we asked them to come paint and they're super hesitant at first. And they kind of do that like quick back look at their parents. Like, I don't know what to do. And then, you know, they get the go ahead or whatever. And they, they come and they just use a can for a little bit. And you can just see the expression on their face. It's like just ear to ear, you know, smiling because they got to add a little piece to something and they got to experience something different. Um, you know, one thing that like really stands out for me is we had a, we had this girl walk by with her mom and I, you know, I kept on like I asking her or whatever. And I don't think, I didn't know why she wasn't saying anything. And I realized that she, or her mom said she's deaf and um, you know, me and Sean kind of like tried to express more what we wanted her to do. And then her mom kind of explained um, via like sign language and stuff. And she got so excited. Like she didn't know and like didn't even realize what we were trying to do. And, uh, she got to paint a little bit and it was also like her birthday. So we just like, you know, me and Sean learned what happy birthday was and signed real fast. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, like that type of stuff is like, I hope, and I think Sean's on the same page. Like we just want to impact them as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and even if it's in that way, like you never know where that can go. Uh, you know? Yeah. I think honestly, like kind of building off, this goes back to like, remember you were asking like if, you know, politically messages for what we were painting and it goes back to like where we're at right now. It's like, it's so insane to have like what feels like a normalcy throughout a regular day to day, but knowing that within a mile and a half from where I live, there is some, you know, so much activism that's kind of going down, but also sort of quiet and like, it's, that other stuff that's out there is real stuff. Like there is a lot of aggression. There is a lot of it. Don't get me wrong. But on the contrary, there's a a lot of positive. Like I met a girl that, uh, you know, we're we're on the bikes and she's like a black girl that loves road cycling, loves gravel, just like Zach and I, she literally that day put an Instagram together called mobilize the movement. And like, this was back about a month ago, month and a half ago. And like, just my small bubble in what I could do to help raise her voice in the black cycling community here in Portland. It's just like turnkey, turnkey. And like in the cycling world, there's always been a real strong movement for like, um, just like people of color and trans and uh, like the what the fuck bike explorers that basically like just enable anyone. And it's just really great now 
went as like to be able to enable enable those voices in such a short period of time. And like there was another one this Friday where they were going to do a trans slow roll. And at first I got real excited because I read the flyer and I was like, sick, a bike protest. But they only want trans people or women of color to be on the ride. And I respected that. But all I did was like repost it on my social media and then I blasted everybody I know in the community, like everyone I know. And it got reposted by like two big bike brands. It got reposted by a shop down in San Francisco and like their following on Instagram went from like seven to like 45 and then up to like 350 right before they're trying to have their big active ride. So that's how I feel. That's us going a cab, you know, because I'm not a person of color and this is what we can do now to enable that movement. So it's like, I want to get out there and write the hardcore, but I don't need to. Someone else is doing it for me. Yeah. Right. Yes. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, John, or Sean kind of nailed that. Uh, like, in all, in all, like, we, I think, like, are just trying to do as much as we can. And, like, the, the beauty within the chaos and everything like that, like, like Sean was saying, like, it's so real. Like, they're, we do have people getting hurt on the streets. We do still have police brutality going on at a police brutality protest. Like we still have, you know, feds being in here shooting people in the face with rubber bullets. Um, and like for no reason for holding a sign, you know, acting like these, these protesters are target practice. I mean, having live round ammunitions getting pulled on you, you know, because you're protesting for something, it, it's, like that is so much still present here in Portland and around the United States. But on that other hand, within this, there is so much growth within our community of people coming together and really helping each other grow just like, as much as the government hasn't backed it yet. It's like sharing knowledge, right? Like I'm a painter and I've worked in an automotive spray booth spraying solvents and chemicals for years. So people are concerned about the tear gas and they don't know what kind of masks to go buy or they're buying whatever they think is right or they're just wearing nothing. And it's like I'm utilizing my my knowledge and skill set and my resource sources to help certain people that want to go out and about and have the right thing to help really protect them. Because like COVID is scary, yo. That's part of the reason why I'm can, uh, personally concerned about still being active because it's like you know, there's like all these multiple factors. So if it means I can buy, you know, a grip of these respirators, or if it means buying the right types of, uh, there's like hear us, uh, earbuds, you know, like if you work in music or go to shows, I wore them when I worked in machine shops because it keeps the noise down, but you can still talk, you know? Yeah. So anyway, no, that's, that's super helpful. I'm personally focusing on. And I think that that's, what's important. Yeah, no, I love it. That's awesome. Thank you guys. No, that's rad. Um, I don't know any like last minute words or anything that you guys want to give sort of Sean also like, I don't know if you have any like tips on what you were talking about as far as like masks and different things, if like really quick sort of things that would probably be helpful for some people too. Um, well, I mean for like, I would say here in like, if you're going to be active, you're really trying to find anything if it's a 3M product and it is an, an N95 uh, adaptive respirator, the, the reason why the reusable ones are nice to have is because the filtration will last a lot longer. Um, 
the quote unquote disposable versions of a respirator, they don't have the same life expectancy because you can't change both aspects of those filtering pads. But if you do buy something that has, uh, it's like eight, one, zero, zero, one, two, there's like this variance of numbers that helps with certain types of solvents. And basically it's as protective, if not more protective than just putting on like an N95, you know, temporary mask from like 3M. You get what I'm saying? Like the contractor mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're going to be active by going to protesting and be surrounded by those types of chemicals and solvents, that will at least last a lot longer than say um, using a, a crappy uh, construction respirator, you know? Sure. Um, and like the one I bought, I changed the filters because I'm surrounded by those chemicals more on a regular basis, you know? So you want the option of just changing the filters because it's like just cheaper over time. So it's just knowing those little types of things in my mind, like, okay, that's disposable, but I can still use it because it's the right kind of filter. But if you didn't know, you may think disposable, I can't use it, you know? Yeah. Like other than that, like, I don't know, wearing goggles, wearing the helmet. um, Like it, it, it's one of those things that like people are getting shot in the head with rubber bullets and canisters and things like that. Like, like you need to protect yourself and like, so a helmet, um, you know, like I said, goggles, um, you know, wearing black, not causing a panic when things do start popping off, you know, staying tight with the group and um, keeping calm. Uh, those are all major, you know, major things that like if you are going to be down there doing those things. And if you can't be down there doing those things, I mean, especially in Portland, there's like Portland has this bailout for jail, which is insane. With Like it's incredible. They started when they, when everything first started happening, their goal was $5,000. It's now over a million dollars right now. Wow. Just for Portland alone for their bailout uh, of jail and things like that. And so like, and they have a list of what they're going to do with the extra money donated to certain things. It's, it's the most beautiful thing that you can see as like, it went from being, you know, the state, a lot of people within the state. And I think now because of social media, it's, it's expanded across the globe and I think that's why it's gotten so much traction. But um, there's some, you know, amazing, you know, amazing things and, and stuff going on that you can donate to. Um, you know, Portland has like a list of like uh, black run, like ran like restaurants and different stores that, you know, I've been trying to like heavily shop as much as possible and order stuff from them. Um, so there's all these different avenues now. And um I guess what's really I'm kind of thinking about as you're talking about all this, dude, is like, it's really crazy, John, right? Because you're not here that we're talking about this. Like, it's normal. (laughs) Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really, it's our new normal. Yeah, it really is. It's our new normal. I think that needs to be kind of like, because like, I don't know, I think it was yesterday or today, all these feds are now going to different states like Chicago and like LA and they're like they're going to be doing the same thing. What they, like Portland was like this trial and error type of place. Mm. And like, in my opinion, like the feds are fucking failing. Like, and so now they need to prove their, prove what they're doing in other cities and see if they can have a different outcome because Portland is being so strong and more people are showing up on the daily yeah. and not, you know, causing harm to others and just being there because what they're doing is 
like what these feds and what the state is doing is wrong. Right. And like how our government is treating these people is it's absolutely wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I think that like within itself is just like, yeah, it's so crazy how like for us here, like our, our normal conversation with like friends or like, at least for me too, is like, Hey, like what time are you going down to the protest tonight? Or like, or are you going down to the protest tonight? Are you going down to the injustice center? Like that's a, a daily thing. And yeah. that was even like when, you know, we were doing a lot of the marches and stuff in the beginning and because of COVID and everything, like people are kind of skeptical, but at the same time, like my day-to-day routine was like, wake up, go paint a mural with Sean. Yeah. And then we would go home, have dinner and then meet back up and then do the March. And that was every day for three, three or yeah, three or four weeks um, before we started like, you know, taking time to do other things and still being a part of what's going on. But um, that within itself is just like, yeah, it's been, it's become the normal for us up here. It's trippy. Yo. <laughs> yeah. No, that is crazy. I think yeah. too, I mean, on, I guess a brighter note of what you're saying is that it is kind of rad. Like the movement is like gaining momentum, you know, over time as like, when you see something like this is like, it initially had such a big impact and people were protesting all around the country. But then in the last couple of weeks, you've seen that dissipate massively. You know, it's like, over here, I don't think in LA there's too many like protests as, as far as I'm like too aware of. And like, um, I think like all over it's died down a tad bit, you know, but like for Portland, it's like they've ramped up and I've seen cool numbers. Like they've had the highest number of protesters since this whole thing started, you know, in like the last couple days or so or weeks, maybe, you know, it's like, that's awesome. You know? So like on that note, it's like cool that the movement is growing and it's becoming something that is still you know, talked about, you know, that was always something that you're afraid of when something is happening that eventually people stop like, you know, fighting and caring about it. And I'm glad to see that's not the case, you know? Yeah. I had a similar conversation with one of my friends that's in New York and that's what you literally said the same thing. She's like, New York's kind of slowed down, but it's like, she wanted to know what was going on. And if it was just like purely the chaos and just like wanted to get a firsthand taste and i sort of feel you know like it's good to have social media to show both perspectives and be conscious and and aware of like this situation and let's just hope that here as the city rallies that we do see some serious change in the nation because of that right Totally. It's like it unfortunately happened in Minnesota where they're still on their own tip and even probably, probably out of our realm of like what's happening there still, mm. even though that was like, you know, obviously a really um, you know, monumental area. It's like, um, yeah, it's where we're, we're keep the gas pedal going, you know, get rid of these freaking fascists. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, I think like, I mean, I don't know. It's it. Yeah. I guess what I said was just, you know, sort of. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's one of those things that's really interesting, right? Because, I mean, you look at, and this is like a, a just a general thing of Portland, right? Like, you look at Portland, and then you look at Oregon. Yeah. And, like, Portland's, like, its own state in yeah. the sense of, like, what, like, the culture and, you know, um, you know, the diversity within this area, as much as, like, you know, Portland's a pretty white city. Like, mm-hmm. the it, majority, it is white. And, but, like, 
there is some diversity going on. And so that's what another kind of beautiful aspect um, to what's been going on and to what's continuously going on here is, you know, educating the people and, and, you know, you know, having this experience, but, you know, on the outside of, of Portland, you have all these, you have a lot of racist skinheads and things like that. Like in the nineties, even Portland was really bad and it, they still are here. Uh, but the numbers are just going, they're having to retreat or they're being a lot more silent because they know the numbers are against them at this point. And it's, oh, yeah. it's amazing to see and it's going to continue until they're, you know, they're no longer around. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's interesting. Like if you just Google Portland, Oregon, um, and I don't know when the podcast, it'll probably come out next week, but this is the 24th, but you have, Headlines of Portland mayor getting hit with tear gas. That was deployed by federal agents. You have inspector general who's going to investigate federal agents conduct in Portland. CNN has an article saying what the heck is going on in Portland. <laughs> the New York times says how one of Americans whitest cities becomes the center of the BLM protests. So oh, yeah. stuff incredible. like that. Yeah. So literally all these things within the last day have been protest or have been posted by top news yeah. agencies. So I think, you know, you guys are speaking on what they're saying. So that's kind of cool that at least it isn't, you know, being, you know, portrayed incorrectly, at least, you know, for those articles. Yeah. Well, you, you're starting like, you're like, for me, we're starting to recognize there's all these little small grass little movements, you know, you got like mom block and dad block. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> right, yeah. A, a, a wall after a wall of moms went up there after the night. dads coming yeah. out of leaf blowers. Yeah. Now. To blow tear gas <laughs> out and shit. Right, you know, like yeah. that's what's going down now. It's like all these really incredible movements are just like advocating for what's right. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like enough is enough with this shit, dude. I'm Jewish. And like seeing all the anti-fascism stuff or like remembering, you know, you could get arrested for like housing. And, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to carry on and pass that moment, but like, it's not about me at all. I'm just saying like, it's incredible to witness like the mom block movement or, you sure. know, and yeah. like people are out for each other's back here. And yeah. like, that's what's up. You know, teachers and nurses and everybody's and doing everyone shit. is getting like, you know, everyone has their, these small groups, but within these small groups is creating this mass thing that we have moving right. all for that same cause, but trying to connect and grow within their small groups to help their in- individuals like them. Right. And I think that within itself is like one of the most beautiful things that's happening with this movement, totally. especially with this city. Totally. Yeah. It's like our bubbles bikes, but then like in the, you know, like you have like the construction worker unions that are now out there and shit you know it's like sick you know everybody's here it's all solidarity it's not this is just gotta end yeah it's not a bunch of anarchists no it's not what the like news is gonna portray but it happens but it happens they are there (laughs) yeah they're and they're there most of the day too but it doesn't they don't feel confident and like the war straight up war won't happen until nighttime yeah you know that's when the witness yeah you know you have all that built up motivated energy and then that's when people start to you know pop off yeah but the day dude it's so sick like the marches that we've done with like the no hate day yeah that was was, fucking sick that was another one john i would i would uh i'll i'll shoot you sema stuff uh she's this really really rad woman out here that uh handles a lot of um stuff with like skateboarding and like girls like getting involved more on skateboarding and she has this 
camp that she does with the kids um, for, to help them get into skateboarding. And she, you know, That's go rad. skate day nice. is the first the first day of um, summer, June 21st. Um, she kind of turned it into this no no hate day event uh, where we had a skate thing at Da Vinci <laughs> School and and you know led down with a bunch of skaters down to Da Vinci or a down to a injustice injustice center and stuff like that um but that's what like it's just beautiful to see these little things happen and uh and not stop and not stop and people back it so fucking hard and like want to help as much as possible and and, you know people are you know they're really hypersensitive right now there's a lot of hypersensitivity um but like as long as the message is clear and direct of what you're trying to accomplish then like it's game on yeah, at the end of the day, it's just a battle of good and evil. Fuck yeah. Dude, yeah. I mean, your guys' energy right now has got me amped, and I love it. <laughs> About to go pee. Yeah, that was <laughs> sick. I mean, thank you guys for sitting down and just, yeah, everything you guys talked about. I think it was, you know, amazing. And, you know, sure. we'll stay in touch, and we're going to stay posted. I will, you know, do everything I can to just, you know, support you guys and your art. And, you know, we'll do a follow-up down the line and you know thank you guys for everything yeah man thank you john thank you john mucho love thank you for tuning in to another episode of the double life i hope that gave you a little bit of a better idea of what's happening in portland if you want more information on all the cool art that zach and sean are doing head to the double for more of their cool work and all my guest work we'll see you guys next week thank you for tuning in adios